Hello, everybody. TJ Schwartz here, Edge and Flow Podcast. I'm with my co-host, Lucas Burnley. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up, guys? Oh, that's a nice little pause. That's a, that, yeah, that's a, well, uh, that's a, <laughs> I was waiting for you to take, take, take it away. <laughs> okay, all right, so. gonna, let me, let me take it away. Uh, all right. So we're just rolling into the, uh, into the year and we sat down and we, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about. And we realized that we both had two new models drop with CRKT, uh, this week. And so we figured that's kind of a fun, uh, starting off point kind of, mm-hmm. Right. There's some, yeah. there's some info there. Yeah. Our juices are flowing over yeah. that. Yeah, Dude, it's always exciting. The new catalog. Cause you, I mean, we've said it before you wait two years, you know, yeah. you, well, you design the knife, you give it to CRKT, you wait two years with a corporation like that. It just takes the time for the R and D, the catalog, getting inventory and then the, the launch day, you know, and it, it just feels cool. So it's a fun thing to, to chat about. I have a few thoughts about how it's gone and I'm really happy so far, but there's yeah. a lot of it's interesting early, stuff. early days right now. We never get, like we don't know out of the gate, like how our models are performing. Um, they drop right before shot show, um, which I believe is that coming up next weekend. Yeah. Roughly. Uh, for you guys yeah, that don't know shot is shooting, hunting outdoor trade show. It's like, it's one of the, the big ones in Las Vegas, um, mm-hmm. of which you and me have been to many. Yeah. Right. But we are not yep. going this year. Yeah. I'm not even sad about it. Yeah. I feel pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm all right. I, I, yeah. More dedicated knife shows, I think, are calling my name as opposed right to shot. I, I want to get back shot every few years, though. It's yeah, same. It's cool. It's, it's I mean, it's just it's the it is such a big show and you see people that are outside of our immediate industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun just walking around, too. It's the show to get your foot in the door with companies yep. if you want to talk to like the actual executives. Yep. Because if you're at like Blade Show, you're not going to get to talk to CRKT executives, really. Right. Unless you already have a meeting set up. But like at Shot, you could walk into a booth for Kershaw, CRKT, Benchmade, yeah. and be like, oh, there's CEO, there's the owner, yeah. there's, you know, they'll just be standing there. Well, and like, I don't know, hack on this one too is like, if you do it at Blade Show, you're at Blade Show. Yeah. That's where all the knife makers are. Yeah. Just because it's SHOT Show, like they're there to do, the companies are there to do business. But if you're a designer, you may actually have a better chance of getting in for a meeting or getting the right eyes on a product yeah. at SHOT just because that's not the majority of who they're meeting with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. So what what models do you have out this, right. this catalog? Oh, this is fun. So I figure go over what I got and then what you got and then some. There's always strategy behind some it, notes. right? Yeah, yeah, there's some notes. Okay. So yeah. uh, this year I have the, it's two compact versions. Okay. The first is the Tuna compact, uh, which I'm really, really excited about. The Tuna is a big knife. Um, I really like it. It it carries pretty easy um, due to the kind of the shape. It's thin, but it's still like, it's like a close to like a four inch blade probably or something. It's like a real big folder. Mm-hmm. Um so the, the compact, I think hits like this real sweet spot of like maintains the functionality and like the look, it's almost a one-to-one scale. So not all models, when you scale them, are you maintaining like the true dimensions? Um, Tuna is, is really cool. Like it's just yeah. scaled down. And then the other one is the, uh, squid compact, which is like starting to become like an oxymoron because the squid is a compact knife. Like it was always a compact knife. Yeah, yeah. Um, this squid is a baby squid. 
and there's there's bigger squids, aren't there? There are bigger squids. So it's like it's like a Russian doll. There's medium squids. No, and I and I love it. And like I could go down. We'll go down a rabbit hole on this one, I'm sure. But this squid is is super tiny. Um, It is like an inch and three quarter blade. Wow. Right. And I also think this is like the perfect format for assisted opening knives. Like to me, this hits when it has when it has assist. It feels you don't like have the leverage. You don't have the if leverage. It didn't, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it makes it super fun. What do you have? I've got a knife called the Dextro, yep. which has a cool backstory that I can talk about. But the other one is the Overland Compact, which is the folding version of the typical Overland that you see from CRKT. That was the genesis also of my Overland fixed blade. So it's becoming a pretty well-rounded family at this point. Yes. And the Overland Compact, I can't remember the blade length, but it's like two-ish inches it's very very short but very tall yeah and uh, it's reasons for that which yeah i think that knife it turned out so well and that that's a prime example of what i was talking about a knife that there is nothing about that knife that just scales one-to-one right you you are literally designing a completely new like you know entity yeah. But trying to like give it the personality the, of, of the, something the or someone else. Yeah. The presence. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Well, that's a good question. That brings <laughs> up a whole, a whole design conversation about, I've, I've talked about this before to other people, but like you, if you take a knife really popular, 30% of people say it's too big. You think, you know, I'll make a smaller one so that they can have a knife as well. And you can't just click and drag and scale a knife down always. Sometimes you can, but there's nuance, even if it's aesthetically scaled down, like mechanically there's stuff that often has to change. And sometimes that mechanical change drives design change. And it's like, becomes a cycle of like, well, now it doesn't even look like that knife anymore. And sometimes that's okay. Uh, But yeah, there's with, uh, with the Overland in particular, like, it, the way the Overland is, is because it's got that like elevated handle mm-hmm. that I'm talking about the full size. Yep. Your hand isn't that close to the edge because the way it cants up. And if you shrink it, you run out of handle. And so you need to have it where your hand can be further forward. And so if you look at it, the Overland, uh, the original has a guard. The new one has no guard. So your finger, you go all the way up to the edge yep. in the in the compact. And so it was like you needed more handle in your hand no guard to make this like feel organic and ergonomic. So there's just concessions you make when you start to your hands, the same size, but the knife is smaller. So something's got to change. Right. Well, and there's a fine line between like a scaled version or something reminiscent and like a character. So we're not going for, you're not like generally not going for character. Although like sometimes with the squids, I actually really like that. It's super playful. Yeah. Um, but on the, the Overland compact, I felt like you did, you were able to one, you, you maintained a colorway, right? So -hmm. you maintain some like recognizable features and then your overall use of line. It's still, it just feels like it fits perfectly in the family. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's an easy jump to make that like, Oh yeah. Like that's an overland. Well, it's kind of funny because I drew it on paper and it didn't look like the overland at all. It was a totally different knife and I put it into CAD and the tip, I was having issues with the tip of the blade not being covered. And like there was, you, you've, you've had this happen where the geometry of the actual right. tip and the, the backspacer wasn't working. And I started moving it around and it started looking more like the Overland. And it was like almost a convergent design. Yeah. And once it started to look like the Overland, 
I was like, it's an Overland Compact. Yeah. And so I, I pushed it. it like over the edge. <laughs> it's so good. I think that knife yeah. is, is going to crush one. Oh, it, it hits a, a, a size range that is, I think is really popular. Right. I mean, that's like the squid is a two and a quarter inch blade. Um, anybody can carry it, you know, mm-hmm. and even the Overland is like, it's like a good size knife. Yeah. Right. So having that option to where like, oh man, I really like the look, but I want, I want less pocket space. My wife loves it because women oh, have the unfortunate circumstance of their pants, not having deep pockets. Yeah. And they have those lame little like half pockets and yep. the, the, that Overland compacts, the only knife I've designed that can, that actually fit fits. like vertically with yeah. the, the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So dude, that, I mean, to me, that is actually one it's, it serves a super functional purpose as, as like a designer, you're actually satisfying a need that is not being met. When I did the original squid, that was part of yeah. the thought process. And people Brilliant. like people still will, will mention it be like, or oh, it fits in my watch pocket or it fits in like, it's a girl pocket. You're literally a half depth, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Unless yeah, you're wearing like dovetail workwear or something rad. And you have right, actual right. grown up size pockets. Right. Yeah, dude. And I, I got to tell you a story about your squid or not, uh, your tuna compact. Okay. So the first time I ever saw it was on top of a mountain. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was with the CRKT Are guys. Hallucinating. Yeah, that's right. It was a mountaintop <laughs> experience. Okay. Yeah. I was in my basement. No. Uh, so I'm on top of a mountain cause we're taking photography and video for like products and stuff. And we're in South west oregon like in the canyon lands down there nice. we're up in jeeps like it, on a trail like up in the top like not a just dirt road like yep. a real rocky trail and there's they start rolling out like knives in these big rollouts and they had photographers are taking pictures and i'm like is that a little tuna yeah that is a little tuna <laughs> and it was like pre-release you know it was this summer and so i got to see it and i was like no kidding and i was like i gotta i gotta tell burnley about this like that's so funny it was, it was, a, it was a cool moment to have the reveal in the back of a, of a jeep because kyle at crkt rented a jeep for this I <laughs> so i was like oh it's perfect <laughs> that's so good yeah. okay so well okay there's 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 something to talk about right there both of us have compact models based mm-hmm. on a popular model mm-hmm. you have a strategy behind why you do model extensions strategy and i'm also tempted to pump the brakes on that same strategy at the same time okay so the strategy is if you have a recognizable trait of a knife even if it's not the like we said the exact design but that certain traits certain flavor certain style people like people are going to gravitate towards it familiarity is one of the main things that sells anything yep and we're especially talking about mass production yeah, mass production. Right? This is yeah. where it really it's if if you're a bartender, you want to do you want to work in a high volume bar, right? Yep. This yep. is the same thing. And yeah, and just like it's known in the auto industry that if you change the front end or the grill of a vehicle, it's always hated because it's not familiar. Yeah. And then about 12 months later, it becomes like the new normal. Right. And then it's enjoyed and people like it. Yeah. And it's like just this acceptance that like the first little bit, people are gonna be a little put off and then they're gonna like it because it's forward thinking. But with like, say the Overland compact is like, well, I've already got people over the hump of appreciating this design. A lot of people have held that knife. So if I do something similar, I I don't have to get over that first hump. So there's times to do that and times when you should be kind of pushing the envelope. And my only fear though, is like, I have the Overland fixed blade, which is a major flagship for my whole brand for the knives I make. 
got the Overland folder, which so far I think is the top selling one I've done for CRKT. And then this is a hopefully successful, another Overland. And I, I don't want to be, I want to be a little bit careful about like going overly one dimensional and not getting people out of their comfort zone in a, in, in a good direct way. You know, sure. I still want to do that. A hundred percent. Okay. So that's, that's your drive. So there's, mm-hmm the business side of it, right? And the sales side of it. And then there's us as creatives. Frame this in the context of music. And I think it's a really similar process, which mm-hmm. is you you have a hit song, right? People love that song. They come to your group because of that song, maybe even, right? It's like top 40, okay? You're always gonna probably have to play that song, mm-hmm. okay? I think that especially bands that like really hit in like an era where a type or like a style is prevalent, this is like doubly true for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, you're, you do like offshoots. That's where like solo projects and side projects and like for musicians like come in, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a really similar thing, or at least this is how I look at it for myself, which is like the, I mean, the squid at this point is a 10 year, more than 10 year old design. So while in a certain way, I like, I have, I have interest and style that has moved past that. I also realize the value of maintaining it and allowing it to grow. Right. Just mm-hmm. not, you just can't focus everything on it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not overcommitted to it. And, and you are, that's the thing. You've it. got all yeah. these new designs. I, I just, I do see like certain times where like a company will find a formula that works and then run with it for 20 years. Right. And I'm like, I, I can see the business case for that. Sure. But like as a designer first, I right. like always doing something exploratory. There's got to be some. Yeah. Regardless of what it, whether it's, it's money making or not, I think mm-hmm. that is, it's like almost a moot point. There's also mm-hmm. another thing to take into account here, especially with anyone who is like a, a manufacturer who is like a flagship model. Mm-hmm as, as makers, like, you know, how hard it can be to start a project, dial that project. It's popular. It can be super hard actually to get out from underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Quiken was the first one that that ever happened to me with mm-hmm. because like it was right when I was learning CNC, I got set up to make that one knife. And then like five years later, that was the only knife I had probably made. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, it, it's, it it's a real good tie-in that I have a memory of that <laughs> is talking about music. Like you just said, I, I went to a Coolio concert a few years ago, nice. gangster paradise. Like everyone's heard. Classic. He was, he played a concert and it was like a five, 10 song set. It wasn't a full concert. And the whole crowd was like pretty dull and like pretty out of it. And he, and he was going to save that uh, gangster paradise for last. And everyone's just kind of like days. It was like broad daylight is a festival. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to play <laughs> it now. And everyone's like, yeah. And then everyone's like dancing all of a sudden. <laughs> and you could tell in his voice, he's like, gosh, dang it. Yeah. Like uh, nobody likes anything, but this one song, yeah, that one song. <laughs> it well, it's what, it's what becomes, it's what's known. And people yeah. do like familiarity. familiarity. Yeah. The custom side, we're allowed to play with like really weird or avant-garde shapes and designs mm-hmm. and constructions. And there is an audience for that. But when it comes to production design, like that's doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think probably like, I know that I've had designs 
that I've tried and and done in production and that have just flopped. And I would guess mm-hmm. that you have a couple of those under your we, belt. I think you have to do it though. Yeah, you I have think to do it. and I gotta commend CRKT. They do go out on a limb a lot more than some companies. Routinely. And and I think there's a, a case for that in that like there's a lot of knives that are standard today that you just look at and you like I'll say this, like I'll call it out spider co when they first came out, it was like a, a different looking knife. Yep. Like just the way those things are shaped. Yep. But now look at a spider co and it's like, wow, that is quintessential. That is like a pillar of the knife industry yeah. and they still look different. They all, and they look, they all look different. Yeah. They basically don't look like anything else in the industry. Yeah. And anytime a design has there's like there's a design language that Spyderco uses they do offsets like mm-hmm. the spider hole is the most obvious one that's a hole right mm-hmm. so it's visually recognizable but like where they hump the back of the blade up or do a certain type of drop i mean they their lines are so unique and they invented the pocket clip so the concept of that style of knife is like it was very exploratory at the time, I bet. Yeah. Was it and was it on the police? No, the police I, didn't have a, a pocket clip, maybe? I, I don't know when it started, but I'm, I I, my understanding out. is that uh, Sal invented the pocket Dude, clip. Dude, where's our fact checker? Do we have a yeah, fact checker? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's industry knowledge that's floated around, but I don't have the paperwork on that, oh. just so everyone knows. Ooh, okay, I'm super interested. Okay, so our fact checker is going to add that to the show notes? Yeah, right. It's not... Right. Not really going to happen, but, um, dude, fun. Okay. But I, I will say like one of the, I told Doug at CRKT this, he's the guy that we talked to who is a big part of like acceptance of designs. I was telling him kind of part of my strategy with CRKT and designing for them is like, I like to revolve like from a little bit avant-garde, a little bit extreme to like a little bit more neutral. And there was a, I think it was two catalogs ago. I came out with the tailbone and the periscale. Dude. And they were very, very strange and they, they've done well. I mean, they're yeah. not like blockbusters, but they've, they've, they're still in the catalog. They've done pretty well, but they were really out there. And I was just like, you never know. And then yep. they did okay. They weren't like the big winners, but now I'm kind of revolving back to a little more neutral. And it's like, I would like to just keep that pendulum swinging because you never know when something's going to take off. You weren't expecting, yep. but you also, you can't not serve meat and potatoes. No, you know and CR- I mean? CRKT, I think has proven that routinely through the years. Yeah. And that is the Karambit dude. The yeah. Joe Caswell. Joe Caswell. I mean, that is like, they just have some models in there that are, um, what's the, I'm going to forget the name now. Cause I'm on the spot. What's the small, the small fixed blade neck knife. The spew or the, uh, the minimalist, the minimalist, Min- like yeah. the minimalist is such a great example of like, it's a small design. It's a fixed blade. Right. And like a lot of production will be like, ah, fixed blade doesn't sell that great. And like yeah. that knife has been a bestseller blockbuster. blockbuster. So yeah. you can't, you don't know how it's going to work out. You can't really plan for it. And, and ultimately I actually think you would lose something if all you did was like try to hit blockbusters. Yeah. Like, it's knives like the tailbone yeah knives like the tailbone are so interesting to me because they give they like inside of crkt they create a certain type of like vibe of like creativity and they have Mm -hmm. always done that like they've Mm -hmm. how many how many strange locking mechanisms or like bolster locks or like the swing lock i mean they've done so many kind of interesting models and 
some of them probably sell good. Some of them don't. Um, Another one that would be like a prime example of this is the Halligan knife, single sided, Mm -hmm, like the kiss. Yep. You're like, it's half a knife. Yeah. Get rid of the front scale and make it a washer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it crushed. Yeah. You know? And back to that familiarity conversation, if you're talking like the meat and potatoes type knife, I think maybe one of the best ever was is the M16. The best ever. It's a gold and standard. Ken, and Ken Onion, you know, he was talking about, it's like, that is a steak knife. Yep. If you reach in your drawer and you pull out that black handled satin blade steak knife, it's the same handle shape. Yep. And it's like the familiarity is from like this. You're, you're like five years old trying to reach in the drawer and yep. your mom like swats your hand. Like that's how young you were when you first saw that design. And you saw it as a folder and you're like, oh my gosh, that's just, me. Like that, it's that's just my recognizable. Life. Yeah. And that knife's running what 20 some is like one of the first knives yeah. in CRKT. I've yeah. always used that as like anytime I sit down with the company and we're talking about like what, what I'm trying to do or like where my knives are or what just failed. Like, that knife gets brought up <laughs> probably in almost yeah. every medium. Like all, all I want to do is the M16. Like, yeah. you An know, icon. The, the squid is as close as I've gotten CRKT to that, where it's just like, mm-hmm. okay, there's probably 20 skews of it. It's had years, but it is nothing like what the M16 has achieved. I mean, it's like, there has to be probably a hundred skews yeah. of that thing. And we're 25 years in. Yeah. And you still see it everywhere. Dude, talking yeah. about shot. That is I can't count the number of times someone would bring one of those things up to the booth and it would be like a nub. It's like a mm. thumb in a handle. Yeah. And they'd be like, I carried this on three tours and like, you know, it's just completely roached out. And they're like, I love this knife. They're like, put it back in their pocket mm. and go away. And you're I, like, yeah. Wow. I saw an article where there were, there was some huge event. It might've been some, political event or something Mm -hmm. like five years ago and there was an article written where they pocket checked all the guards (laughs) law enforcement and like personnel that were protecting and the most common knife was the m16 that's crazy well yeah Yeah. and it's like m16 and m21 i mean there's so many variations m16 family m16 family which is was the original m4 like man it's wild yeah Yeah, that and that that's like i mean that's a great example because those knives are actually from a design language standpoint, I mean, they're very similar, right? Mm-hmm. It's the knife scaled really well. So there's big ones, there's little ones, there's medium ones and all the different constructions, frame locks, liner locks. I mean, now there's, you know, deadbolts. There's all these mm-hmm. different configurations of it. Um, yep. It's pretty cool. I wonder yeah, if we'll no, see like sure. a cross lock one. Yeah. Seems like. I, don't, you know. don't. Don't let the secrets out. No, I don't actually know. But yeah, I don't know. That I was would, a, that was a I legitimate was a question. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. thinking like how many how many you know variations that thing's gone through. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, man. Okay, that was a good little that was a good little rabbit hole. I guess good we little, got into good little riff. Yeah. 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 And I guess I'll. Do you have anything else you want to say about tuna or the squid that you just dropped? I don't know, man. Um. I had one more thought about the the uh, Dextro. But okay, yeah. Only if you're wrapped up. Okay, well, the Dextro, I just launched a new model fixed blade called the Confidant that I'm custom making. Those are actually the same knife, and you may not believe it, but it's another example of the scaling situation. Totally. And the Dextro, the handle is big enough to have an actual pinky hook 
it's very very small but like if you look at a lot of knives like the tuna Mm-hmm. They have like a little bit of a of a retention, so if, it like doesn't slide yeah, out. If, but not yeah. a true like bird's beak. Yeah, just a right? small flare. Yeah, and I I scaled. I wanted the confidant to be like more of a hunting knife, and the blade shape of the Dextro is really good for that. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to make that into a fixed blade for hunting, and then I scaled it a little bit, the handle size, and I was like, well, with hunting, you're rotating the blade a lot, like you're spinning it around because you're right. reverse cutting and stuff. I'm like that little point, like it's a problem. And so by scaling it down, I had to totally round out the back of the handle. And so it completely diverged. And so I actually designed that knife for CRKT and the Confidant, and they were going to be kind of a duo like the Overland, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. Like it didn't translate to a fixed blade that well. Right. And so I, I diverged. And so it, it's like a little known fact and that the Dextra was going to be called the Confidant, but wasn't able to due to uh-huh. some just trademark stuff. Right. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's so, crazy how on certain designs, literally changing like one feature. Yeah. starts to eliminate the recognizability yeah. and like the Dextro and the confidant. I see it, but there is a, there's like a neutrality there, right? That is, is really tool driven so on the folding version. Yeah. It's like, if you change a couple of features, all of a sudden you're like kind of out of yeah. the concept. Yeah. And it wasn't a flipper. So the flipper disappeared. That changes it. That changes it. And then, and then also the, there's a little bit of a top hump on the front of the handle of the confident of the Dextro for like a front guard. So it has a little more of a tactical guard looking to it. Also had to ditch that because of ergonomics for a hunting knife. And so things just started to disappear and it was like, Oh, well now I'm somewhere else. Yeah. So it's, it's a classic. I feel like that there's like, as a, as a maker, there's certain knives where I'm like, (laughs) this is going to sound ridiculous, but like, yeah, that's a knife. Like there's a quality to it that just feels so familiar as like a knife industry knife. It's like, you look at it and you're like, yes, like a company could probably build a, a, like a brand around that knife just as a start. Like Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, this is our knife that we make. This is our folder. It's just has those classic lines. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. And well, I appreciate it. And that's, to me, that's like kind of the success of say the Griptilian from Benchmade. Yeah. I had a friend that bought one back in the early days when I was getting into knives. Like he, he asked me, he's like, I know, you know, knives, like what, what should I buy? I'm just hundred bucks or so. I'm an, yep. I'm an outdoorsman. I was sending him options and he didn't like any of them. Cause I was, I had like a little bit more of a, at the time, especially like I was looking at the style and I, I was engaged right. in the community to where I was like, this is new and fresh. Like you like right, this. Right. And for him, he's like, I, he ended up buying the reptilian kind of like without my recommendation. Cause he's like, it just looks like a knife. Yeah. And I, and I remember him saying that and I was like, it does, it Dang, looks like, like a knife. Sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Like just yeah. for it to look like a knife. Well, it's yeah. like, you like look at fashion or anything else as you get further up the line of creativity, like the designs and what people enjoy architecture, like what people start to enjoy gets, further and further away from like what you just think of as like the standard form. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I try to keep that in mind. That is a moment that has imprinted on me. Yeah. And that's like my, the way I designed for CRKT, like I said, is like come back to like, what is a knife? And like, I just want to look like a knife and then go back and to get a little more exploratory. And that's, I think that's just how I've tried to position myself. Cause I remember him saying that I'm like, there's so many people like that. Like they don't want the flash. You know, they don't want 
they're not looking for special. A, that was just a good knife too. Yeah. Like that is that the griptilian series was awesome. I will say like out here in bend pocket knives are, are more common than probably almost anywhere that I've lived. Like, it's just really common just to like, everybody's like, m- we'll go out with the kids and like the majority of parents that we're hanging out with, like someone will have a pocket knife or mm-hmm. I just see it. Right. And a lot of places that's not true. And griptilians and what is the one that came out kind of after that, bug out. the bug out, like you see bug and outs the, everywhere. The and I was, yeah. And I think it's probably a lot of that is like, we got a big REI in town and there's a lot of outdoors people. So there's climbers and skiers and everybody else. And it's like, if you read Outdoor Magazine, kind of a match made, kind of a, kind of a match. So you see them everywhere, you know? Yeah. It's pretty good. That's right. No, it's, it's fun, dude. I I tell people this a lot. Like when we're thinking about, (laughs) if I'm just picturing, like put myself in the shoes of a guy walking into REI or Cabela's or Sportsman's or Amazon, like I have such a different sensation about like putting pen to paper than I would if it's like somebody's going to come to my site who's right. a true knife enthusiast and they want to buy something really special yeah. that's something they've never seen before and they've probably seen most knives. So it's like it's a little bit of a different thing. Well, it's counterintuitive it's, yeah. because what it means is a lot of times the thing that you are super interested in at a given point in your career is actually not the thing that would be a saleable item or, or mm-hmm. saleable at scale. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that can be, that can be a really tricky barrier to cross for new designers because you're so used to your work being popular. And then you're like, all right, here it is. Here's my style. If you don't take into account the company that you're designing for their current audience, their manufacturing capabilities, um, you really run the risk of like hamstringing yourself. Yeah. You know? And, and I mean, I say that completely from experience Mm. because I tried to push designs through that. Like now I realize, like, Oh yeah, it was just like super weird, (laughs) super weird. (laughs) But I liked it. But there's the group of people that like weird and you know, weird is subjective, but it, yeah, it's, it's a cool thought experiment. And I, 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 you know, data, I don't want data to drive my, my design. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm going to, I'm going to zoom in on it sometimes and at least check back and be like, okay, where am I at? Like, am I giving the people what they want? Yeah. Kind of thing. You got, you got to have pad tie on the menu, man. Yeah. Sometimes like you just, you just need the, the fan favorite. And if you got beer on tap, yeah, (laughs) you got to have an IPA in there, right? Like nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. Nowadays. Oh man. All right. So can you still hear me? I just kicked a cord and like almost destroyed yeah. my entire I, I saw your ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> like, <It> looks good. <laughs> um, where should we go, man? Anything else that you like, you want to talk about that? Uh, well, I picked up my tumbler today. My new tumbler. Little shop update. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mr. Deber. I've owned it and it's been sitting in Boise, which is 30, 30 minutes away. But that was like three weeks ago, but I didn't have media nice. and they had special ordered it. So got the media in, zipped in there, threw it on the flatbed trailer, got it, parked in my driveway right now and uh got to figure out what to do to get it off of there and all that stuff but it's there exciting i had both tumblers running this morning nice thing is it is it's max size that you could plug into like a 15 amp 20 amp like standard outlet so i I don't have to do any crazy work to get it to run but i do have to drill holes in the floor wherever i put it oh wow you actually have to hard mount it yeah 
I mean, it came with the bolts and it says it like bold print. So I was wow. probably going to run it just to, I kind of want to see, like, is it just going to walk? I bet, I bet it'll like after a few hours, like maybe walk or something, mm-hmm. but that's, so just, I run, I run those AV 75s. Raytex, I've got one, right? You've got one. Uh, we were talking about the M16. The M16 is Kit Carson. Mm-hmm. Got the idea for the Raytech from Kit Carson. You dude, really? Yep. And same cool. with Zerblast. Yeah. Zerblast and my Raytech, the, all of those as like lessons. The are, Kit Carson. Kit Carson lessons. And just a somber note, but like people may not know this. He passed away, what, three years ago? Yeah, four, something four, four years, years ago, ago, probably. Yeah. Um, rest in peace. Classic. Kit. Classic. Just a legend. Yep. That's all. And he's then come you up told- so much lately because like we were we've been doing so we've been doing knife shows and and just going to hang out with people. And I routinely bring him and Ken into the mix as like, hey, this like Kit and Ken have done this for years. And like, yeah. look at that. Look how much fun they had. Look at how people yeah. got to spend time with them. So and also if you people may not know this, the flipper used to be known <laughs> as the Carson flipper. Yeah. And there's one reason for that. That's oh, man. Mr. Kit Carson came up with that. And it, I think might've been on the M16. Yeah, that was, Good. that was, I was going to ask when we were talking about it, the, I felt like it was the first production flipper and I don't know, like those, they don't, I don't think they really flipped like, like what we think of as like a modern flipper. It was like a, almost like a, it was like a guard, but a swing guard that you could use to open the knife. That's yeah. my memory. I could be yeah. off on this. Then they but, realized if we sharpen this detent, yeah, then you can actually yeah. flip it, change it. You add, yeah. you're basically adding like you're loading up pressure before it like yeah. releases. Your your, your finger becomes the a spring. Yeah, yeah. This is my yeah. spring. Yeah, yeah. You guys didn't see that because you know it's he's audio, pointing but. at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, very. Oh man. All right. So you got, you got some like minor shop updates. We're just fully back into, into the swing. We are getting ready for a drop. Um, I got dropping. Like, Can you, are you at liberty uh, to say? Yeah. Yeah. Cause this will also probably release. So we're doing a drop of Cypops. Um, I'm still working on prototype soft goods, um, with my buddy's company, Paladin 33 here in bend. Um, and as with prototyping and manufacturing, I've got a product that we were supposed to have done at one point and we didn't. So we're releasing now. And that is, we're calling it the lolly bag. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, basically I designed them. I designed them for the Kentucky show as a money bag. Hmm. Um, so, cause you see, if you do knife shows, like everybody shows up and they've got a backpack and they've got like a big fat roll of cash or like a stack or like you'll see people with money stapled together. Like, mm-hmm. and I was, I've all, I've always used like some kind of like fanny pack or, or like bank cash bag at shows. It's like, how cool would it be just to like, just to like do like a simple, I'm holding it up. So, mm-hmm. so TJ can see yeah. it. Yeah. Like just a simple, like Dude, drop that's, organizer. That's sweet. Yeah. So we're going to do those. Um, that has been yeah. like such a ridiculous diversion for me. It's fun. It's super fun. It's a different, it's a different workflow. It's a different type of product, but it's related. Yeah. <laughs> this is like yeah. all the right soft goods, man. That's distractions. A game. That's I know. Cool. I know. So we're having, we're having fun with it. We've got like, like three or four products that are kind of like in that are rolling, um, and just playing around with new ideas. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, no, that's fun, dude. Yeah. Got that. I'm excited to see it. When's the drop? Um, hopefully to Friday. Mm. Um, yeah. And this is the first drop. I mean, coming out of the holidays, man, it's like, 
just absolute madness. So we're trying to get back into like the swing of things. Yeah. Um, I know how it is. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my tumbler set up so that I can, I've got a bunch of overlands, like kind of like cued for this tumbler. And I've been like praying that this media shows up because I'm like, they're just ready to go in. And my, my Raytech, it does a really good finish, but mm-hmm. I'm at a volume point now where it's like, it just can't, can't it can up. do it, yeah. but I can't stand to rattle my entire house right. for 10 hours a day Non-stop. for like a week straight. Yeah. So the, the idea here with this one is like the overall tumbler hours of running should yep. be like a fraction. Um, and I completely forgot that you had a Raytech and I had built yeah. a silencer. Yeah, I have the plywood and foam leaning against my house yeah. that I bought to silence it. And I had it and I was like designing the box and yeah. I got to thinking, I'm like, this tumbler's not big enough. What am I it's doing? Why, what are you box? doing? Yeah. yeah, I actually ended up taking mine apart and like scrapping it because I mm-hmm. tried putting it on Facebook Marketplace and nobody wanted a weird, large foam insulated box for some reason. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, though, just maybe like someone's listening and has this problem going on uh it had a weird side effect which is it increased the temperature while i was tumbling and when i was tumbling brass we started to see parts patina in the tumble Mm. and i'd never seen that before and i was like what is going on the Mm. only thing that i could come down to was you'd open the lid and it would probably be like a hundred degrees in the box yeah. And I was just like, man, it's literally something is happening and the heat is is doing I don't know what the actual like reaction would be, but there's the right. only thing. And when I stopped putting it in the box, it stopped happening. Solution was going to be like add like a small like computer fan yeah. um and just vent yeah. it. I will say though, it made it delightful to work next to. Yeah. So, if you're stuck, curious That's to hear what Mr. Mr. Deber is. Yeah. And and Mr. Deber is a rectangle. We've talked about it before, but I don't think I explained the reason why I got one. It's a, the, the form factor is really good for the cubic footage that it has relative right. to the bowl. But another advantage is a bowl can only tumble so long of a knife before right. it binds. Right. And this, I could, you can actually put a knife in that's like the full length of the, yep. of the bowl, which for that, it's like 30 something inches. So yep. unlimited space for like are you, length. Are you zip tying? Yeah. Okay. So the reason you do that, basically tumblers are constantly moving and revolving. So like it's what, what's the, it's like helical, I guess. Right. Like for the yeah. most part, like you're kind yeah. of, it's moving through a few different axes, Yeah. but parts that are flat can have a tendency to either like, is it hydro, hydroscopically? Is that a word? Is that what I'm I mean, thinking? They, hydraulically, hydraulically, maybe yeah. like basically they can like suction, suction. to each other. In the Mr. Debers, so the Raytex are round, so that doesn't happen to the sides, but parts can stick to each other. In the Mr. Debers, the sides are flat. So I think a part can essentially get stuck over there. The vibration like pushes it up and then it just stays. If you run a zip tie through a hole in the tang, it helps make sure that it never is able to line up in a way mm-hmm. void free yeah. and stick. And and if if it does still stick, like if, if the zip tie is not enough, I've already been meaning to, meaning to do this, but I did discover some time back 3D printed parts can last in ceramic tumbling infinitely long. Like we're talking hundreds or thousands of hours. Yeah. 
And so I want, I want a 3d print, a special, imagine like the clips that you put like a shower curtain on a rod with where it's like a little clip. But if it, if I played with that shape to like totally not allow it to go against the wall, like if it's actually rigid, like a ring, right. But it has to be the right size where another knife won't go into it and then be like locked into it. Yep. So I'd have to like play with it. Like, tinker toys you might even just be able to do small barbells imagine Mm. like a barbell with a threaded end yeah and you run one of those through and then it's like that's it it's going to constantly keep tumbling and it's also like the pivot point hits the side just like flip more because the other thing you don't want to do is you're like tj said you can't you can't have another piece like pierce that and get stuck together um and it can't affect like the end finish so it has to Mm -hmm. be able to move too yeah. Um, yeah. If you just put a fixed post that can't move, then right. the media can't touch the steel right around it. And so you get a weird like halo effect around the hole. Um, but if it's the, if it's the right diameter and it's moving, then the media can still do it. But yeah, I'll, regardless, if I get some sticking, if it's like one in 20, 30 parts, it just re gets retumbled. But if it's like, if it becomes like a real problem, then I can just, engineer some kind of 3d printed apparatus but it's solvable the other thing is i was thinking about is like i could uh clean up the walls of the tumbler real good and make like some 3d printed like serration yeah little pieces yep. and like somehow put them on there so that it can't it's get endless. a suction this is where this is where the adhd really kicks in and it's yeah. like you have to be so careful because just making things for making things yeah is so fun um Speaking of which, I just, my brain just like glitched out and something I saw on Instagram this morning that I did not know existed. Um, we talked a little bit about a tool that I use, which is the ultrasonic polisher. Mm-hmm. So it's a tool and die making tool. It basically oscillates a ceramic stone at like 20,000 RPM a second, I think. Yeah. Well, cause it's it's not oscillating mechanically. It's right, oscillating right. with sound, with like sound. literal sound it's waves. literally vibrating. Yeah. Okay. And I use it for getting into like small spaces that I don't want a dimensional change on. So lately mm. I've been using it on lock faces to mm. remove tooling marks because I've started milling, hard milling my lock faces. And then I go in with my ultrasonic polisher and I remove all the mill marks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm doing it manually. I saw something today called an ultrasonic knife have you ever heard of mm. that i saw the image i was driving so i didn't get to look at it dude but dude that sounds insane we're i it's the guy's um account is vice underscore chief on mm-hmm. instagram and the way that he was using it was actually with 3d printed parts and it looked it basically functioned like uh like a hot knife in foam like if you're like looking at model makers or you know something like that crazy so cool so i'm gonna try to i'm gonna see if i can like rig up an exacto blade do it i want (laughs) to see that it's like a lightsaber basically yeah he was just showing it like parting a section of 3d printed plastic just going straight through it against the line like you'd have a very hard time like cutting it accurately oh yeah that stuff's pretty hard to cut you know um yeah vice underscore chief just go check one he's he's also got a really cool page yeah um, eccentric like, dude yeah like super eccentric dude i think you might have turned me on to him actually i think so i think yeah. he popped up randomly on some yeah. feed that i kind had. of blade runnery yeah yeah which i love yeah like, <laughs> yeah he was he was talking about he talks a lot about like design philosophy yeah which is i obviously geek out on that 
and not designed from like an aesthetic necessarily, but like engineering design, right. like mechanical design. Right. It's cool. Very cool. It is cool. Are there any other, are there any other feeds that you've been like watching actively? Vitally, I think it's Bulgarov. Oh yeah, dude, he's so good. He designs CGI crazy freaking robots and like sci-fi. So the new RoboCop movie yeah. that came out like what four years ago, he yeah. designed the RoboCop for that dude, movie. It's he designs like for blockbuster, you know, hundred million dollar films. Yeah. But he he has this crazy computer that's probably like twenty grand, so he can render things so fast, and it's like. Almost every day, he's just posting some crazy rendering model, like just crazy, just insane. I love the it. Every day's like, so I did like a long time ago, I did that sketch 365 project. That is hard. And it actually mm-hmm. like the first, I think I did like 155 days straight or something. And then like, it might've taken me three years, six months or something like that. Like I remember it timing out really weird. It's hard. These guys like people crap where you're just like, dude, how? Mm-hmm. How are you doing in every day? Oh, well, I guess at the point you made like 165 million off of yeah. Yeah, an NFT. Yeah. I guess if that's your <laughs> you only do, job, maybe you it's do it now, yeah. but it's a good, that's kind of where I'm trying to get with the CAD stuff a little bit as I'm trying to yeah. force myself to do like yeah. little bits every day. Yeah. Until so, AI just defeats us all. And dude, we're just yeah, subjects. I, think, I just think cats out of the bag at this point. Like mm-hmm. there's, I mean, obviously like, just from like our stand, like consumer standpoint. Um, like I've sent you a bunch of stuff in the last few days, but like chat, chat GPT, like obviously it has limitations because it's not fact checking. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's no like oversight. And if the information it's giving you is real, but it sounds real. Yeah. The goal is not to be a Google type search. It's to be a human type. Yeah. Uh, communication predicting the next yeah. word yeah. in a sentence and same so it, with same with like the the drawing components um which like you had said like you know there's a huge conversation about the moral usage of of that process to design art and like i actually like it there's not like it's taking copyrighted art remixing it and give and turning artwork mm-hmm. out like here here's a a little bit of a truth bomb lay it on me that's how everyone's brain works i know that but you have to do the work yeah i know that's what i'm saying it's out of the bag like there's no whether it is good or bad is almost beside the point now it's here it's here so Mm -hmm. i look at it and i'm like well you either figure out how to work within the system or work against the system but there's no like, but AI hey. will remember that yeah. you worked against the system. So <laughs> choose wisely. Oh man, dude. Skynet. Skynet. I don't know. Chat GPT was pretty rad. Dude, this is a fun dude. episode. I feel like we're actually just like randomly talking and it's super fun. What if we design an AI knife, an AI design knife and we call it the Skynet? I mean, Oh, that'll ruffle some feathers. Not wrong. Pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I need like, again, I need more distractions. Like I need a hole in the head and I feel yeah. like, I feel like AI is probably a very slippery slope. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, all this stuff, dude, it's crazy because all this stuff is permeating our culture in, at every level. And so 
like as, as designers or as makers, these are things that actually do affect what you are doing, what you may be doing, the types of companies that you might be working with. You can't like, I mean, you can just decide to avoid it, but I think if you're curious, it's a fun thing to like, just kind of play around with. I'm a almost universal technology embracer. Right. With an asterisk. Like there's, it's to be respected and used yeah. like a tool and there's, like a tool. you know, there's p- power and responsibility in that too. But I generally embrace technology because I think it's wise to do so. Um, that's just my general take. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, I would say the same thing and it's like, even maybe despite like my urges to not, mm-hmm. it's human, like the convenience there's, there are, there are larger things at play and i realize like hey like yeah i can say that i essentially want to be like a luddite but i don't because i really like my iphone hey you bought all that forge and stuff when you saw dude i know then i take videos of it on my iphone yeah right sweet (laughs) right (laughs) oh i'm so excited i'm gonna get back into that soon that's like right now like the last since we've been back from holiday it's just kind of been like putting pieces back together We've got like the SQD project. We've got a bunch of like little production projects and just mm-hmm. trying to like figure out, man, this year, this year feels different. And I don't know why. I don't know. If, I, I'm sure that's not universally true, but I feel, I feel different going into this year and it's really mm-hmm. exciting. Relative to, to like last year or most years? Uh, the last couple of years have been such like a weird vortex that I'm not actually sure. Um, definitely in relation to the last couple of years though. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, and, and, and again, with us moving and stuff, I think maybe that plays into it too, but I don't know. I think that this year looking like there's, uh, there's like a different, maybe I have like a little bit different focus and there's some exciting things on the horizon. And that's enough, like at the beginning of a year to like start off in a pretty cool way. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Talk to me in that's, December. That's good to- Good to hear a little, little, little change in the winds is always good for creativity. It's true. That's necessary. Yeah. Right. I, uh, recently I was listening to a podcast and they, they got into kind of like a time management, but more like how to enjoy the time that you're managing versus like, this is how you maximize every second that you have working. It's like, well, here's how you can actually do your schedule and not hate your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I thought was really interesting was that the presenter said, if you don't give your brain breaks, it will automatically take them. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's like, it's, it's super true, but like if you're doing Pomodoros or something like 25 on 20, you know, five off, um, that works great. But if not, like if you're just working, it's like eventually you just, your brain fries and you stare at your phone for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's like yeah. you either schedule it or you overload. Yep. I don't even know where that came from no. or why I'm thinking about no, it. I, no, I know. I know. I know what you mean. I remember it sounds weird, but some of the days that I remember working the longest was where I was on a trail crew where we were digging trail and it was we had to camp in a wall tent and we had to get eight days worth of work in per two weeks, but we could get it done as fast as we wanted. And so we would, and we had to be like up in the mountains in the tent the whole time. So it's like, we'd want to go up there and like, get it those eight days worth of work done as quick as possible. And so we would, we would literally work like 
as long as like we could physically work. How is that defined? Like what, what was it hourly? Was it like an hour? You need yeah, eight days hour. worth of work. So what was, was eight days worth of work? Eight, eight. So like your typical, it was 40 hour work week. Okay. No, no, it'd be, it'd be 10 days worth of work in two ten, weeks. So okay. it'd be like 10, eight hour days, 40 hours a week. Okay. So 80 hours as fast as we could get 80 hours done. Yep. And then we could come home. And so it was like, was that six days? Like what honestly, did you actually we were doing put it, like, it into? We were doing it in like, I want to say like five days or something. Like it was like 20 yeah. hour. Like we we're just because just the tent was on the trail. And so oh, I was like, what wow. are we going to do? We're going to work. What else are you going to do? Yeah. And and so I, I remember days where it was like, like you said, we'd be like some of the stuff we were doing was like moving rocks off the trail. Like there's a rock slide. And I can remember like holding a rock and then just zoning out. Yeah. And then some like the boss being like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, holy shit, I was standing here holding a rock yeah. for like a minute. And I was yeah. like, I wasn't even thinking. I don't know. Well, and that's like a fit. That's a different one too, yeah. because you're actually probably battling some physical exhaustion. Yeah. Um, what the, I think a lot of this stuff relates, but like when I went through like crazy, like burnout, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it was framed to me too, which is like your, your brain and body are literally protecting you right now because the next yeah. step is actually just having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like, so you just, your system shuts down. But mm-hmm. I think in like the context of just like, work. This is fresh on my mind because a few days ago I had come to you and said, Hey, as I'm like starting to work through this CAD process of like very organized kind of forcing myself to use it and develop muscle memory. My question to you is like, how long should I, uh, how much time should I budget on a daily basis Mm -hmm. for that without where, where I'm getting the benefit of the learning, but not pushing past the point of like a return. And mm-hmm. you had, you had said like three hours is actually probably a really good amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. once you push past that, like, especially when you're learning, if you're really pushing past it, like maybe yeah. you stop retaining, you know, or your neuroplasticity is only elastic for so long before right. you like, you just lock up Yeah, and, like I said, it's different if you're doing something like tedious, like digging post holes, that's a different feeling. But like you said, if you're learning actively, it's like you have so much gas in that tank and beyond that, you're like sort of going backwards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or after, well, it's like, I mean, we've, we've talked about that a little bit, like the, like construct of the industrial revolution is like the eight hour workday and like Henry Ford. I mean, like there's a lot of areas that makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. but I think I think on like a human level, four hours. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I'm working back and forth, I guess. There's certain tasks that I it just feel like fit perfectly in that mold. But like yeah. what you're doing right now, you couldn't do it. Yeah. Because you're essentially, you're in the creative role, but you're also in the manufacturer's role. Yeah. And spindle's yeah. got a turn. Mm-hmm. I got to say though, I, I, I know I'm doing the right thing for me personally, because on Monday morning, I, I'm so excited to get in. And then Friday at night, I'm really bummed. That's and good. it's not. Yeah, that's and a good and I, once I get in the house, I'm like, oh, this is good. Like I'm spending yeah. time with my family. But like turning out the light and being like, I'm not going to be back in my shop for two days. Yeah. There's like a it's knife hard. like in my stomach. Yeah. And I like I just I like that. That's my mindset. And I don't want to abuse that. Yeah. But. That's where it's, the, like you're, you're probably, your balance is real nice right now. Mine, now. a lot of times I'm, I notice 
that drive around wanting to make improvements to the shop. Yeah. Like I'll get my work done and I'm like, man, I just want to like, I really want to like build this table. Yeah. I think that being a maker maybe is just always building another table. Yeah. (laughs) Bigger, better, stronger. It's like kind of, you're like, man, I really could use a table over here now. Mm -hmm. Next stage will be cabinets and then it'll be like cabinets forever. If I built any more tables on my shop, I'd be walking on tables in there. So here's a, here's a random question as a, as a maker are, do you have any tools, equipment or like supplies? I'm trying to make it as broad as possible that you have an unreasonable like attachment to. Let me think about that. I'll use, I'll give you my example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they're really like toolboxes. Yeah. <laughs> so like I just have like I have toolboxes as bases for tables. I have more toolboxes than I need. I have toolboxes with that the drawers aren't full and I will still buy another toolbox. Yep. It's emotional. Yeah. Something there. Anything like that? Oh, let me think. There's got to be something like that. I think for me it's probably oh, I don't know if one fits the mold. It, it loosely fits what you're saying loosely, but I've been looking at my drill press a lot recently mm-hmm. and my shop's so small that I'm like, why do I have a drill press in here still? But I'm thinking, how can you not have a drill don't press? Don't do it. You can't. I mean, you could buck uh, the system and be like, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't own a drill press. Yeah. But I'm like attached to it because it's like, it's a drill press. So it's the pillar of the metal what shop. I would like. What I would like to see is I would like you to get rid of your drill press, but get a small manual mill and then routinely talk about how you don't have a drill press. And it would be like someone talking about how they don't watch TV, but but then you find out they just watch Netflix on their computer. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is amazing. You don't even yeah. own a TV. I know, right? <laughs> like, look, I'll show you a picture of my living room on my iPhone. Yeah, like, here it is. <laughs> no TV, see? <laughs> But, but, yeah. uh, but no, dude, the only thing I use the drill press for is I drill the holes for the clip to mount to the Kydex. Right. And the only reason I've been doing that is I would have to make a program that's left-handed and right-handed for the CNC to do it. And I just have been too lazy to make two programs, one that drills the left-handed and one that drills the right-handed that I switch between. And I, if I did that, I would never... I don't see anything in my future that needs a hole drilled in it, which is, I can't believe. Can I throw you a curveball? Yeah. You got kids. Yeah. It's a lot easier to show a kid how to use a drill press correctly than it is to show them how to use a CNC. You make things. I'm not, and I know your brain's trying to figure out why that is wrong. Yeah. 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 Analog. Okay. It's analog. Mm -hmm. Like you can go out there with Delta and, make something yeah well what if one day i, t- I show my like 10 year old kid this drill press in a storage unit and be like this is like a cnc but without the servos and then yeah. they'll be like oh i've never heard of that yeah because usually i tell people this is like a drill press but with right. servos and, right. and they're like oh i get it get it no i'm just kidding but i it might end up in a storage unit i can't get rid of it dude that would be i would be blown away i, I can see it I guess I just mess around too much, right? Mm. Which is like building little things and yeah. playing. And if I didn't have a drill press, I couldn't do that. 
Yeah. The same way, the same way, yeah. like fast, yeah. quick iterations or like, I'll still go build like a weird plastic template for something. Yeah. For me you though, know? that's 3d printing. I get it. You're just, a, you're so efficient with it. Well, I've had this, this sensation that like, I really want my shop. I can't fully do it right now, but I really want my shop to have nothing in it that doesn't pertain to making the products that I just had a horrible thought, which is like, basically my shop is just full of crutches now (laughs) basically ruined it. So I don't need a drill press, but I should just be doing everything on my 3d printer. What a slacker I am. Oh geez. No, that's no, No, that's fair though. Well, it's fair in where you are working and where you are going. It really does make perfect sense because you want Mm. to eliminate one and there's a space issue, but you want to eliminate chatter. Mm-hmm. You're focused. Yeah. It's not serving you to have like yeah. these other things for other processes. Yeah. Like right now, cause you know, our house is small and I've got just the shop is the garage and we need part of the garage for storage. Like I'll, we have like our dog food out there and like just stuff like that, that you can't mm-hmm. really keep in the house. And I just walk past it and it's like, I feel like radiation sickness yeah, from it i'm just like it's not a knife force. making thing yeah. you know what i mean and it's like it just that's i just want like a sterile manufacturing thing that does only what it's supposed to do like nothing else it. and i don't know i don't know if that's smart but it like it's just in me i don't know i don't uh, know no i fully agree and i would i would make the argument that overall my workspace is that mm. like it is workspace it is lit up like a baseball field, the walls are white and everything Mm -hmm. in that space is related to work. Like Mm -hmm. 99.9% of what is in our shop is work. The upstairs space feels different than the downstairs space because it's tailored to the work that's being done. Um, so no, I fully, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Dude, should we just call it? That was fun. (laughs) twist and turn and uh, it really was and quite the ending man yeah, yeah i think we call so, it real quick yep. comment on this do you think i should keep the drill press or not just guys leave a comment let them yeah. know yeah to keep the drill press and and tell burnley to stop using his <laughs> or tell him to get rid of the cnc ah. give us advice oh man all right I think you, soon you and I do some strategy sessions and lay out some fun episodes for the year. Um, we got to figure out, we got to figure out how to do a Q and a, I really want to do mm-hmm. it. I would mm-hmm. love to do a call in show or something. I just don't yeah. know how to actually do it. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, guys, thank you for hanging out with us. Please leave us a review or share the podcast. Um, we're having a lot of fun and we hope you are too. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. will see you or hear you or talk to you soon. Peace.